Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Amen. Let's all stand. We want to go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Uh, We want to give Him glory and honor because He's worthy. Amen. Uh, We still want to, I'm so glad to see Sister Rapids is with us this morning, uh, but we still want to continue to pray for her. Amen. I want to see a complete recovery from this. Praise God. Uh, We also want to pray for a man by the name of Don Williams, uh, the shepherd's had an opportunity to minister to this man for, sounds like a while. Uh, he's a vet, and he was invited to come to our Veterans Day service. He seems kind of excited to do that. Uh, so let's pray for him. He also has a friend he wants to bring. Uh, let's pray for that situation. Let's pray for our service this morning, that God would minister here. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. You're so wonderful. You're so glorious, and I thank you. For this opportunity you've given us today to enter into your presence. Every opportunity we have is a blessing. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't esteem it lightly. I will not take it for granted that I have free access to the throne of grace. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for Sister Rapids that you would continue to touch her, continue to give her a perfect, complete healing. A miraculous healing, Lord, in Jesus, <clears throat> in Jesus' name we pray. I pray for Don Williams. I pray for his friend. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to work in their hearts, that you would lead them and guide them into all truth, that you would bring them to this place, a place of salvation, a place of ministry, a place of deliverance. Hallelujah, Jesus. Minister to their every need, I pray. And for our service this morning, that you would meet with each of us, Minister to the needs of your people here, we pray. Let your name be glorified. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You know, when uh, when it comes to Something like worship. We hear the word worship. Let's all stand and worship God. Let's praise the Lord. Uh, Images come to mind. Feelings come to mind. Things come to our mind. uh, When when someone stands up and and encourages us. We've all been in services where uh, the worship kind of starts for a little bit and dies down. And... The guy up front tries to encourage it to keep going a little bit. And I have been in those services, and I remember feeling from time to time a little bit frustrated. Dude, it's not happening. Just move on with the service. You ever been there? Am I the only one that's thought that? Okay. Whew. <laughs> uh But you know, uh, the guy up here is right. Whether or not I'm agreeing with him, uh, he is correct. She is correct when they are trying to encourage us to worship. And this has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today. But worship is something that we do. I know there's a difference between worship and praise, but uh, just in general, 
Worship is something that we do not because we feel like it, but because the object of our worship is worthy of it. i got to be honest, I don't always feel like worshiping God. But I tell you, I tell you what is true. When my spirit is right, my spirit always feels like worshiping, even when my body doesn't. Because He's worthy. He's worthy because of who He is. He's the King, folks. He's the King. And we've all heard this analogy. And I don't know... I don't know how apt the analogy is today. But if the President of the United States came through the doors, I mean, that would be a big deal for a lot of people. It would. I don't care who it is. That's, I mean, that's the President of the United States. But someone far greater than the President of the United States is here right now. And we spend a lot of time in His presence, and it's so easy to take that for granted. It really is. Yeah, we're going to do it again next week, and tomorrow I'm going to be in prayer, and I'm going to feel His presence again. I mean, I'm thankful for that. But it becomes kind of commonplace. In scriptural terms, it becomes profane. Don't let the presence of God in your life become profane. It's... It's such an unfathomable honor and privilege to be able to do that. To be able to enter into His presence. To feel His presence. To hear His voice. To feel His touch. It's such a high honor that He's given us. And I just I want to encourage us, encourage us to not take that for granted. Don't, don't allow that to become profane in your life. Because there are people out there who have never felt the presence of God. They have no idea what you're talking about when you say that. Some of you remember being there. I remember being there. So, amen. He's worthy of our worship. And worship can take many forms, folks. It's not always just leaping and dancing and and shouting and jumping, although that's definitely a part of it. Worship can be getting up early in the morning to to pray. Worship can be putting my tithes and my offerings in the offering plate. Honoring God by submitting myself to His Word. Amen. Amen. In any case, Mark chapter 8. Verses 34 and 35 is where we'll be taking our Scripture text today. Mark chapter 8 and verses 34 and 35. The Bible says this, And when He had called the people unto Him with His disciples also, this is Jesus they're referring to, He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Now here's one of those kind of weird, quirky teachings of Jesus. Again, uh, first will be last, last will be first. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to be a minister. Uh, you know, these, these tipsy-turvy, upside-down kind of things that Jesus likes to, to throw out there at us every once in a while. If you're going to save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. These teachings are backwards for a reason. They're backwards because of our fallen nature, our fallen state. They're not backwards at all. They're actually proper and correct. They may seem backwards to us because of where we're coming from. How we've lived our lives, how we've been taught from earliest childhood on up. Has not been proper or correct. Today we live in a world of people who will not commit to anything but instant gratification and personal pleasure. Few and far between are those who are able to play the long game, to take a long-term view of a situation or of life. Those that learn to deny themselves up front, to discipline themselves to work harder, to spend less, to tell themselves no, to get up early, to stay up late working towards something, those individuals will almost always end up being successful at whatever they're setting out to do. Contrarywise, those that cannot or will not tell themselves no, but indulge themselves on every front, because I've earned it, because I deserve it. Those who put in their allotted time and no more. Double time for overtime. Buy things on impulse and sleep in late. Will almost always end up going nowhere in life. There seems like a lot of contrast between the two, but there is only really one difference. Discipline. That's the difference. Discipline. Even the word sounds harsh, doesn't it? What is discipline? Well, that's a great question. I looked that up for us this morning, and here's what I found. When used as a noun, it means training, expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior, especially training that produces moral or mental development as in, was raised in the strictest discipline. It can also mean control obtained by enforcing compliance or order, such as military discipline. It can mean controlled behavior resulting from disciplinary training or self-control, such as dieting takes a lot of discipline. It can mean a state of order based on submission to rules and authority, as in a teacher who demanded discipline in the classroom. It can mean punishment intended to correct or train, as in subject to harsh discipline. A set of rules or methods, as those regulating the practice of a church or a monastic order, or a branch of knowledge or teaching, such as the discipline of mathematics. Well, all that sounds fun, doesn't it? Sounds like a good time. 
And if I were looking for something fun, something entertaining, I would stay as far away from that word as possible. There's nothing about that word that sounds fun or entertaining or easy. In fact, if I'm looking for easy, I'm trying to do the exact opposite of discipline. I want my life to be fun. I want my life to be easy. I want my life to be exciting. And so most people will shun that word and they'll go indulgent. Live for the moment. Spend what I have. Grab all the gusto I can get right now. Well, that seems, or can seem, like a good idea in the moment. Because who knows if I'm going to be even be here tomorrow. Right? We've all heard that thrown out there. Well, you got to die of something. <clears throat> but my question is, well, what if you live another 70 years? <laughs> What are you what are you gonna do then? But no one well, not no one, a lot of people can't think that far. They can't plan that out. They can't seem to grasp the, the idea that if I sacrifice a little bit now, I can enjoy life later on. See the thing is, if I live like that in the present, if I just spend everything I have just do whatever I want, whenever I want. Now, I'm going to have a hard time later on. That's not going to work out long term. If I sacrifice now, if I discipline myself now, if I tell myself no today, that pays dividends in the future. I end up in a really good spot. And that applies to my Christian walk as well. Discipline is the root word we find in disciple. Now, we've heard some preaching recently on discipleship, disciple making, and rightly so. We are called to make disciples of all men. That's what we're called to do. We are called to be disciples. What's a disciple? One who embraces and assists in spreading the teachings of another. An active adherent, as of a movement or philosophy. One of the original followers of Jesus. It comes from the Latin word discipulus, which means pupil or student. It matters who I am a disciple of. Who am I modeling myself after? What idea or philosophy am I embracing, trying to reflect in my life? Who am I learning and receiving instruction from? Who am I modeling my behavior after? Whose rules and whose authority am I submitting to in my life? 
Well, as biblical Christians, we would automatically say, Jesus. That's who I'm trying to be a disciple of. But is that being reflected in my choices? Is that being reflected in how I live my life? Is that being reflected in my learning and where I'm receiving instruction from? If I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, then I am committed to bringing myself into alignment with the character and will of Jesus Christ. Period. That's what I'm doing. That's who I am. That's what I've, I've committed myself to do, to accomplish. And I tell you, folks, that doesn't come by accident. I don't just roll a lucky number, draw the right straw, and now I'm Christ-like. That comes because we purpose in our hearts. We are intentionally moving forward in that. I am disciplining myself to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that I can't do everything I want to do. I can't. I can't do both. I can't serve two masters. I can serve myself. I can serve Jesus. I can serve money. I can serve someone else. I can serve another philosophy. But I got to pick, folks. I can't do all of them. People try, but they fail. They fail at all of them. Pick one and go with it. If I'm picking Jesus Christ, now, it's my choice. I'm choosing who I'm modeling my life after. I'm choosing whose authority I'm going to submit to. I'm choosing where I am receiving instruction and knowledge from. I'm choosing that. If my choice is Jesus, then let it be Jesus. I can't say Jesus and do something else. It doesn't work that way. So if I'm choosing Jesus, that's going to be reflected in all of that other stuff. How I'm living my life. Whose authority that I recognize. Where am I receiving instruction from. All of those things are going to determine who I am modeling my life after. Who am I discipling my life after. And when I turn around and disciple someone else, how is that going to work? If I'm not a disciple of Jesus Christ, how am I going to produce a disciple of Jesus Christ? And since we're on the subject here, you know, there are a lot of things that we put up with in our own lives that we would never put up with in someone else's life. It's the truth. And you're going to see that when you start discipling someone. 
They are going to say things. They are going to do things. And you'll be like, you got to stop doing that. You can't say that. And it's going to upset you. How could they think like that? But you guys are still doing some of that stuff. I'm doing some of that stuff. Right? Well. <clears throat> Take the beam out of our eye. For willing, you know, that scripture. That means I can never correct anyone. Right? When, when you boil when you boil it down, I got to have everything taken care of before I can take care of someone else. Is that true? Do I got to be perfect before I can minister to someone else? Uh, that's not what that verse means. That's not what it means. What it means is, I have to recognize the fact that I'm not perfect. I have to recognize the fact that God is still working in me. Okay? But at the same time, I can help someone else out with their issue, their situation. Not judgmentally. Not with condemnation but with the intent of moving them forward. Okay? We're talking about discipline today. I need to discipline myself. There are some things I can do. There are some things I can't do because of whose authority I'm submitting to, whose life I'm modeling myself after. Now, the obvious things are, okay, well, I can't go to the bar anymore. I can't, I can't go to the strip club anymore. Yeah, yeah, we understand all that, and hopefully we're all okay with that. But there are other things, maybe a little bit more subtle things, that, that this entails, this idea of discipline, this idea of sometimes I've got to tell myself no. Fasting. I have a legitimate need for food. If I stop eating for a year and a half, I'm going to die at some point. Okay, we all need to ingest food, nutrients. But there are cases where I'm going to tell my legitimate needs, not right now. Not for this period. I'm disciplining myself. My flesh wants to be in charge. It can't be in charge. So every once in a while I need to tell it no. I need to put it in its place. And let the Spirit of God rule. Okay? I'm disciplining myself to submit myself to a higher authority. I no longer recognize the authority of my flesh. I recognize the legitimate need, but I'm putting that in subjection to Christ. We all have legitimate needs for other things. Sleep. Who, who here has, has been to an all-night prayer meeting? 
Yeah, most of us. They're fun, right? <clears throat> In a spiritual sense, I think they're powerful. I think they're amazing. But you walk around the prayer room, bumping into walls, trying to stay awake, and you hear snoring. See people curled up in the corner. Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. We discipline ourselves. I'm committed to bringing myself into alignment with the character and will of Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at the Scripture text. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay, whosoever. Everyone is invited to be a part of this. Everyone. I'm going to use this analogy probably interspersedly, interspersed throughout. Um, the Navy SEALs. I'm fascinated with the Navy SEALs. I was not in the Navy. I was not a SEAL, okay? But I've looked at a lot of this stuff, read some people's books. Um, absolutely, I have nothing but the highest respect for these individuals that pass this, this, this course and make it into the SEALs. But everyone in the Navy, as far as I know, it's, it's, you've got to be in the Navy, are eligible to apply. They can go in. They can send in their application. And they can, they can be a part of BUDS training. Basic underwater demolitions. The first, I can't remember, four to six weeks I think it is, is just non-stop grueling uh, smoke checks. Everyone understands what that is. Yeah, they're going to do their best to drop you. To get you to ring the bell. And... Um, you're there, you're there voluntarily. No one forced you to be here. Okay? You're volunteering for this training. And every second that you're in a sand pit, every second that you're in 50 degree uh, ocean water, every second that you're, you're lifting that log up and down, you realize any moment, any time I want, all I got to do is set the log down, walk out of the water, ring that bell, and it's done. The pain stops. I get a nice hot meal, I go take a nice warm shower, and I go to sleep. Instant gratification. I don't want to discipline myself to do this, it's too hard, it's too painful. I see people just kind of sunbathing on the beach. They're doing what they want. They're enjoying life. And I'm doing this. But those that can discipline themselves, they're looking forward. They're looking ahead. If I ring that bell and I get a nice hot meal, take a nice hot shower, get eight hours of sleep, then what? Now I've failed in something that I was really wanting to do. Someone I was really wanting to be. Those that have that capacity to discipline themselves, to tell themselves, no, I'm foregoing these momentary pleasures for a period of time. 
so that I can obtain something I really desire. Does that make sense? But everyone is eligible. Everyone is capable of doing it. In the BUDS course, you don't really have to be physically strong. In fact, the guys with the big muscles and and the tall, big physiques, those are the ones to drop out. They gas out pretty quick. Mental strength. Mental discipline. That's what's going to get you through. And in your Christian walk as well, it's going to be mental discipline, spiritual discipline that will get you through. Understanding who you are. Understanding that Jesus wants you to obtain this prize. But not today. In the future. Someday, folks, we're going to be in glory. Someday we're going to be in heaven. But not today. Not right now. Maybe later today. Who knows? But not right now. Right now we're still in a fight. We're still in a battle. We're still at war. Right now, we're still called to discipline our, our, our natural affections. We're still called to discipline the things that I want to do. And i got to tell myself no sometimes so that I can do what God wants me to do. That's just how it works. Whosoever will. Okay, this is getting back to discipline again. He didn't say whosoever can. He didn't say whosoever should. He said whosoever will. Whoever makes the choice to do it. Whoever decides, whoever purposes in their hearts, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be now. It's simply another choice that we make. And I hate to keep bringing it back to your free moral agency, folks. I hate to keep bringing it back on your shoulders. But it's on your shoulders. It's on my shoulders. If I succeed at this, God has given me everything I need. The only thing that makes the difference between someone who goes all the way with this and someone who drops out at some point, it's not God, it's not Scripture, it's not church. It was a choice that someone made. And I hate to sound callous. I mean, I understand some of the situations are pretty crazy. But it's still a choice. At the end of the day, someone chose to walk away. And at the end of the day, someone going through the same experience chose to stick with it. They chose to stick with it, despite all of that. Some of you have been through some crazy stuff. I've listened to you talk to me about this stuff. Other people have walked away because of that stuff. But not you. You're here today because you made a choice. doesn't matter what that person said. doesn't matter what that person did. I'm in this for the long haul. I decided, I purposed in my heart to stick it out. Amen. That's really the difference. Because you would. Everyone can. Everyone should. But only those that make the choice will. It cannot and it will not be forced on you. You've got to choose it. 
You go to BUDS training. No one's forcing you to go to BUDS training. No one's forcing you to go to airborne school. No one's forcing you to go to ranger school. You're there by choice. Even if you're drafted, you're there by choice. You may be drafted into the Army, but you're in ranger school because you chose to be there. And you can choose to walk away from it at any time you want. But if you're going to stay, you're going to do the course. When we, when we said yes to Jesus Christ, we, God presented His covenant to us. And you read it through and through. And you signed on the dotted line. Did you know what you were signing up for? Now, when, when some of us joined the military, I was 18 years old. Actually, I was, I think I was 16 and a half, almost 17. I was delayed entry. <clears throat> 17-year-old guy. And no position to make a decision like that. Nope. Felt like it at the time. <laughs> I look at 17 year old now. Like you're crazy if you think you can make a life choice like that. Get some counsel. <laughs> Don't do what I did. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> 18 years old. Made that choice. But it was a choice. I signed on the dotted line because, yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you the story. <clears throat> it's kind of funny. This, this is where my mind was at, all right? Does anybody, <laughs> does anybody know the movie First Blood? Okay. Rambo, Special Forces. I saw that movie at my grandma's house when it came out on HBO. I'm not recommending you watch the movie, but I was like, soldiers can do that? That's what I want to be. And ever since then, I was like, that's what I want to be. I want to be Rambo. So when I went to the recruiter, I literally asked him, so can I get training so I can be like Rambo? That's why I'm saying 17-year-olds have no business making these choices. At least this 17-year-old this had no business being there. <laughs> and he told me, absolutely. <laughs> of course. That's right, we can. You bet we can. I'm in. I, I got a verbal promise from the recruiter. Well, folks, I know you're on pins and needles to hear the end of the story. It never happened. It didn't. I could have, I could have re-upped for Special Forces, but it, it never happened. <sighs> Whosoever will. Whosoever will come after me. So the choice is, is being narrowed down here a little bit. I need to follow where Jesus is leading me. 
That's what I need to do. Jesus is leading me in a specific direction. That's where I need to be going. And that's the choice I'm making. Whosoever will come after me. It's not the other way around. I'm not going where I want to go and calling for Jesus to follow me. I know that sounds, well, yeah, that's of course. But we do that sometimes. We do that sometimes with the choices we make. That the decisions, decisions we make. Well, this is what I want to do. So I'm just going to go do this. I don't want to go to church anymore here. I want to go to church over here. So I just move and go to church there. Is that right? We are going to teach on that, Bishop. We most certainly are. I think that's an awesome, awesome idea. That's not right. We don't get to do what we want to do. Did you ask God? Did you ask the authorities in your life? If Jesus is telling you to do something, then yeah. We need to get confirmation and we need to be about doing that. Absolutely. Nobody outranks God. Nobody. God says something, that's it. Case closed. That's what we're doing. We're going where Jesus has already gone. Come after me. He's already been here. He's already done this. He's already paved the way. So we can trust Him to lead us through. Folks, Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what's up ahead. He does. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. You go right downstairs. Amen. So we can trust Him to lead us wherever it is He's taking us. But we don't always trust Him. We're always, sometimes we're a little bit hesitant when He asks us to go somewhere, to do something new. We're a little bit, Jesus, don't you know? Jesus, don't you understand? And I know in this setting that sounds crazy. Of course God knows. God understands. We know that. But we don't always know it in the moment. We truly believe sometimes that we need to let God know what He doesn't have available right now. Moses did that. Let poor God know the situation, because he didn't know that Moses wasn't a good speaker. God had to be told that. We tell God stuff. Don't you know that I'm not good with people? Don't you know that I don't speak well? Folks, he really does know all of that. But he asked you anyway. He asked you to do it anyway. Don't you think that God can make up the difference? When He asks someone to do something, He's not going to sit back and, (laughs) I told Him to do that. Watch what happens. He's not going to be able to do it. This is going to be hilarious. 
Do you think that's what's going on? Do you think that's how God thinks? Of course it's not. But by our questions and by our statements, we believe that. We do, folks. You won't admit it, but our actions say otherwise. God knows all of that. He's asked you to do something maybe that's impossible for you to do. Why do you think that is? So that God can get the glory for it. He's leading you in a a crazy direction, a crazy situation, so that something awesome can happen, something miraculous can take place. We want the miraculous, right? Well, we need a big enough problem that it's going to take a miracle to solve. See, that's the only problem with miracles, right? We need a really big problem. An impossible situation for the miracle to happen. That's what we don't want. But that's exactly the kind of situation God is looking for to operate in the miraculous. So we're going where Jesus has already gone. We can trust Him to lead us through that situation. He shows us the way that we need to go. We're following Him, not the other way around. We understand Jesus has already gone this way. He knows what's up ahead. He knows what's around the bend. And He's showing us how we need to go, how we need to proceed. Sometimes He's going to tell you to stop for a little bit. Take a rest right here. We'll move on later. Sometimes He's going to pick up the pace. Come on, let's go. We need to follow those directions. Deny Himself. Okay, here's, here's a specific case where discipline comes into our situation. Deny Himself, not deny God. It does not say deny God. It says deny me. I got to be comfortable saying no to me. I got to be comfortable with a little bit of discomfort. A little bit of sacrifice. I've got to be comfortable with that. Obviously, we have to say no to our sinful urges. I think we all understand that. And God has given us victory over that. He's given us victory over sin. He's given us authority over those things. We can say no to those anytime we want. But again... It's a choice. Whereas before we didn't have a choice. We were in bondage. But now we're free men. We're free women. We have a choice today. If we fall into sin, folks, it's because we chose to do that. We chose to do that. It was presented to us Because Satan knows that he doesn't have us anymore. He makes it nice and appealing and tempting and and puts a nice ribbon on it. All sparkly and shiny. But you chose to open the gift. You chose to open the present. Just say no. I know, I, know we, I know we like to, to 
really dive deep into this and, and make it really complex and, and complicated. But <laughs> you know I like complicated. You know I like complex. I can't do it with this. I can't find a way to make it more complex than this. You have, you have all power. You have all, all authority over sin. Over your, your fallen nature. Over your flesh. You do. You have the Spirit of God in you. You're baptized in Jesus' name. You've got everything you need to say no to the enemy. To say no to your flesh. Your carnal desires. They're both a choice. <clears throat> it also means that we're going to say no to some of our legitimate desires and even our legitimate needs when commanded to. When God tells us to, to go a specific direction for a time, God tells me, you need to go on a fast. Then, folks, I need to go on a Jesus, don't you know that i got a high metabolism? I can't go on a fast for that long. Who made my metabolism again? Who told me to go on that fast anyway? See, this is what I'm talking about. We, these reasons come to our minds. Why we can't do what God wants us to do. I'm telling you, if God tells me to do something, I can do that. I don't need all the gifts and the talents and the abilities that I think I need. I don't need all of the I don't need all the stars to align and, and the weather to be perfect and everyone in the House of Representatives to, to say yes to this. I don't need all of that. All I need to understand is God told me to do this. I must be able to do it somehow, some way. God's gonna make it happen through me. What an awesome opportunity to see God move. But i got to choose to move forward. i got to choose to submit myself to that legitimate command. I need to understand there's more to getting in my life, in my walk with God. I receive all kinds of things from God. Every day I receive from Him. Mercy, grace, long-suffering, patience. I receive so much from God every single day. But this isn't about getting. God saved my soul, folks. I don't need anything else. I, I worship God and I thank God for everything I receive. Don't get me wrong. I am very grateful. But all I need is Him. That's all I need. Everything else is icing. I've also got to learn to give. When God wants back from me, I've got to be willing to do that. He has given to me literally words fail me. Mountains, heaps, planets, solar systems worth of... I don't know how to say it. I'm just... I'm overwhelmed by the deluge of His goodness. <clears throat> As one person said. But when He asks of me, you know, there's a tendency in a human spirit 
to get a little bit indignant. Well, if you're not asking that of them, why don't they have to do that? I never ask. Why didn't you bless him like that too? I don't know if anybody ever asks that question. Because Jesus just loves me and that's okay. I don't ever start thinking, well, why did you bless me like that? Why don't you bless them like that? They're doing more for God than for you than I am. They've given more than I have. Never comes to mind. Someone gets blessed. Why aren't I getting blessed? I have to give something. Why aren't they having to give something? That's the human spirit, folks. That's the fallen nature. That's not from God. That's not pleasing to God. That displeases God. Let God deal with you. And then let God deal with that other person as well. God's got this, folks. He doesn't need my help dealing with you. You know what I mean by that. I don't have to worry about how He's blessing you and what He's asking you to do and versus what He's asking me to do. And you don't have to worry about me. And you don't have to worry about anyone else. God's got this. God will deal with everyone the way that they need to be dealt with. Amen. We need to say yes to everything God wants us to do. And we need to say yes to everything God wants us to be. Especially when we don't want to. Because that's when the the struggle comes in. That's when the discipline comes in. You know, it's kind of like submission. Submission isn't agreeing. That's not submission. When I agree with you 100% 100 of the time, I don't need to submit. We're in agreement. When I need to submit is when I disagree. When I disagree with the authority God's placed in my life. And then I do it anyway. That's submission. That's something else entirely. You don't need to agree. But you do need to do it. It'd be nice if you agreed. Because God is always right. If I'm in disagreement with God, folks, let's peek at the back of the test. Find out what the answer to that is. I got it wrong. I'm wrong. If I disagree with God, I'm wrong. Period. So, it would behoove me to work out whatever I need to work out and get into agreement with God. But what I do need to do immediately is submit to God. He's the king. He gets to tell me what to do. Not the other way around. God's not here to satisfy me. To make me happy. He's not. God couldn't, well, in a relative sense, He couldn't care less about my happiness. He's not here to make me happy. He's here to get me saved. That's why He suffered on a cross. To save me. 
to establish a relationship with me, to bring me into a state like He is, Christ-likeness. That's not always going to make me happy. You don't go to Bud's training to be happy. You don't go to Bud's training to enjoy life. Get some beach time. That's not why people are there. I didn't sign up for this because I wanted to be happy. I signed up for this, first of all, because I wanted to be saved. And later on, because I wanted a relationship with Jesus Christ. And later on, because I wanted to be like Him. He is the best individual I've ever met. I can't think of anyone better to model my life after than Him. Take up His cross. That means that there's going to be a price to pay, folks. And I don't know how to sugarcoat that. The Bible encourages us, exhorts us to count the cost first. That means there's a cost to be paid. A price to be paid. Now, I was not told this when I first signed on the dotted line to serve Jesus Christ. I was told all the bennies that was going to come. And I'm here to tell you all of that's true and more. The half of which has not been told. The benefits that we receive from serving Jesus Christ. But I'm also telling you, transparent, there's a price to be paid. There's a price to pay in discipline. I can't do everything I want to do now. The hopes and dreams I had, the things I wanted to do with my life, those are gone. Those are never going to happen now. Why? Because I made a different choice. I chose a different path. The path that God chose for me. I don't regret it one moment. Not one moment. There's a price to be paid. And don't be looking for accolades because you decided to move forward in Jesus Christ. This is important. The accolades, they're going to come later. When we get to heaven, we're going to receive rewards. You better believe it. That's straight out of the book. Whether you want them or not. Well, I don't need a reward. I just, I just want to be, That's fine. But you're still going to get rewards. <clears throat> that's what the Bible teaches. They're coming. The accolades are coming. But not now. When you go to Bud's training, there's going to be accolades coming. But just because you moved on in your training, no one's, you don't got a cheering section. Woo, you made it. Good job, buddy. There's no one doing that. They just keep kicking you in the rear to the next spot so you can get more. More pain. More misery. At graduation, then you're going to get some accolades. Then you're going to be recognized as a seal. Then you're going to get that trident patch. All of that for a little trident patch. Just as an aside, don't go to some shop and buy a trident patch and put it on. Don't do that. There are people that paid a, a pretty heavy price to put that on their, their uniform. Don't do that. 
But the accolades are not coming today. Just because you decided to, to take the next step in Jesus. Now, I'm going to be your biggest fan here. You make, a, you make a choice to serve Jesus, to move forward, you bet. I'm going to be cheering. But that's not why you're making the choice. That's not why you're moving forward. You're moving forward because that's what God wants you to do. You're moving forward because that's what you want to do. Don't do this to please me. Don't do it to please mom and dad. Do it to please Jesus Christ. Do it because that's what you want to do. You've made up your mind. That's where you want to go with your life. He says, follow me. Follow him no matter where he's leading. Follow him no matter when the command comes. And follow him no matter what the reason. Jesus doesn't need a reason to tell us to do something. I know we like it. We like everything explained, laid out. He doesn't need to do that. He is under no obligation to let us know anything. He's the king. He has the authority to tell me to do something because. Because why? Because I said so. Now get. It's good enough for me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Me first isn't going to cut it in the kingdom of God. If you're looking to save your life, if your life is so precious to you, and I mean this literally and figuratively, if your life is so precious to you that that's something you're not willing to lose, then you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. If your needs and your desires come in front of what Jesus wants, you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ is dead to those things. A disciple of Jesus Christ has laid those things on an altar of sacrifice. They're dead. They're gone. My hope now is to serve Jesus Christ in whatever capacity He wants. That's what your hope is. My dream is to serve Jesus Christ. To hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And again, folks, if we can keep a spiritual mindset, if we can keep eternity in mind when these decisions come, the guy going through Bud's course, the only thing he's keeping in mind is the next evolution. Next evolution. If we can keep the future in front of us, does everybody know what I mean by that? We're going to heaven. And whatever we have to discipline ourselves with down here, whatever sacrifices we have to make down here, it's nothing compared to what I'm receiving. But, if my mind is down here, it might seem like an awful lot. It might seem like it's too much to pay. And people have decided that. And they're not here today because of it. 
It's too much. I can't do this anymore. I can't take this. If they could just keep heaven in mind, what am I going to receive from all of these things? The Apostle Paul, I like to quote this, these light afflictions which are but for a moment. I don't think his afflictions were light, folks. And they weren't just for a moment. But compared to what he was receiving in glory, yes, they are. They're not even worthy to be compared to what he's going to receive. My needs, my desires, they're not my concern anymore. I give them to God. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. God first, me last. That gets things done every time. That gets it done. When my desires and dreams line up with God's, everything works. I'm going to close with this. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. There's a difference between merely wanting to escape hell and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. There are many who'd like to be saved, but there are a considerably few, fewer in number who want to bear the cross of Jesus Christ. Becoming a disciple requires full surrender. It requires death to self. He's got to increase. I've got to decrease. Amen. As we go forward with this day, the, the second service, let's remember, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. He's the King. He tells us what He wants done and we do it. In Jesus' name. And at the end of all of it, whatever it costs, it's worth it. Because we receive an everlasting place in His kingdom, serving Him forever. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your so great salvation. Thank You, Jesus, that You have called us to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. That You have called us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to discipline our daily lives. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do what we need to do to serve You, to move forward with You, and to do those things that You desire us to do. Let Your name be glorified in the remainder of this service. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.